You live in a gated community. It's called a gated community. In the gay community. I just want us to have an open conversation, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, anybody. I want this to be a safe space for everyone. Racism is alive and well in the gay community. The gay community. Gay community as us as a trans community. Who is having that conversation? Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! I'm telling you, shit is real! What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Gated Community Podcast. I know y'all miss me. Look, full disclaimer, you didn't get an episode from me last week because I was trying my hardest to survive the side effects of the COVID vaccine. Pfizer. I want to pace you through my heinous experience, share some insight. Hopefully you'll hear something that will be useful to you or a loved one. Look, for the record, I've never had or tested positive for COVID. But maybe talking through it chronologically will help me understand why the side effects were so severe and lasted for nine consecutive excruciating days. Also, it's worth mentioning that my position is not to persuade anyone to get or avoid the COVID vaccination. I think it's a personal choice and shouldn't be up for discussion or judgment. HIPAA 101. Or does that even exist anymore? The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act? If so, it feels like it's as effective as a doormat. And y'all got to respect people's boundaries. Families are being disrupted. Friendships are falling apart. Jobs are firing their employees. And people are straight up lying about their vaccination status to avoid all of the aforementioned. It's not cool to ask or demand others to disclose their vac status or pressure them into doing what you feel is best for them. The nerve of some of you. The virus has become the topic of every news channel and seems to normalize conversations about it so that we the people feel comfortable enough to have these conversations with everyone from your Uber driver and next door neighbor to the cashier at your local grocer and relatives. It's not an icebreaker. It's private. And boundaries should be enforced and respected. The CDC's director, Rochelle Walensky, even got it wrong, regrettably announcing that the vaccination was actually an immunization. There's a difference between the two. Only for their messenger, Fauci, to come out months later and attempts to clean up the chaos and confusion by exclaiming that the vaccine will not prevent the contraction of the virus, but instead decrease the chance of contraction. And here we are. A year and a half later, with the fully vaccinated, overflowing intensive care units nationwide, gripping to life by the thread of a mechanical ventilator. I mean, do any of us really know how to effectively prevent, treat, and or cure the virus? If so, what I'm about to share would be massively different. Day one. Monday. It's Monday, August 23rd. I'm scheduled to get my second Pfizer dose at 10.30 a.m., exactly three weeks of the day and time after receiving my first dose. I've already mentally prepared myself to get this shot, or so I thought. While the first vac wasn't a cakewalk, it was nowhere near what I experienced with the second. It was brutal. After the first shot, I was ill for about three days with a sore arm, lethargy, and a severe headache. And that's the pinnacle of what I expected with the second shot. But it was like, nah, bruh. So here I am, sleeve raised, arm out, ready to get vaxxed. After answering all of the formality questions, he sticks me with the needle. Immediately, I notice a difference in the injection. This one was slow and slightly painful. But the first injection, a BD Integra syringe was used. That BD Integra syringe provides for a quick painless and sometimes needle-free injection. I didn't badger the pharmacist about the difference in needles. It was pointless. 
I'm fully vaccinated now. Let's fast forward to later that day. It's now 3 p.m. I speak to my mom and my aunt, both who are nurses, and I chat with them about how I'm feeling. At this point, everything is good. But about two hours later, (laughs) I was hit with a migraine, an arm that felt like it was punched by a bowling ball, fatigue, agitation, restlessness, lethargy, and all. So by now, I'm thinking, okay, this was similar to the side effects of the first curse. I mean, shot. I mean, dose. No big deal. I take some Tylenol and I tried to get some rest. Day two, Tuesday. I actually made it through the night, tossing and turning included, rest sold separately. I awakened relatively early. There's still arm pain and my head felt like someone ignited firecrackers inside of it. I take some more Tylenol and Advil, but I could have swallowed a handful of Tic Tacs and gotten the same relief. I begin to feel agitated again. Probably from the countless hours of sleep I didn't get, or likely because it doesn't take much to get me to a state of agitation. (laughs) I'm almost getting agitated from reliving my agitation. (sighs) Namaste. Digressing, I didn't have much of an appetite that day. I ordered some vegetable soup from this Indian spot around the corner. Later that night, I increased my sleeping aid and my insomnia meds, praying for a visit from the Sandman. I slept four hours. Day three, Wednesday. I'm thinking today is the last day of misery. My headache decided to take a nap and my arm was beginning to feel tolerable. I'm talking to myself like, like I'm literally inside my apartment talking to myself like, just make it through today, Corey, and you'll be good. Boy, was I wrong. I kept getting text messages from CVS threatening to shelf my medication that was available for pickup. Mind you, I'm already in my apartment not feeling well, just sick and regretting the fact that I even got this vaccination. And I got the nerve, CVS got the nerve to text me about some, if you don't pick up your medication now, we're going to put it back and you're going to have to get another refill from your doctor. Listen, this is not the week, CVS. But whatever, I submit to their demands, throw on some basketball shorts and a hoodie and walk to the neighborhood pharmacy. A couple of hours after I get back home, thinking I'm en route to better health, I start to feel a little tickle in my throat. And I know my body well enough to know when I'm ascertaining a sore throat. And I was getting one. By 7 p.m., I had a sore throat on the way. Congestion, body chills, feebleness, low to no energy. And the ache had found its way back to my head. I'm over it. And all I want to do is sleep. I increased my sleep meds to two doses above the recommended label on the back of the box. And I chased it all with a shot of something that's only legal to anyone of and over the age of 21. I get in bed. I can't sleep. I toss and turn. I'm furious. I can't sleep. What's wrong with me? Why is this happening? This cannot be life. I take something else to help me sleep. Still can't sleep. Somebody call Conrad Murray because I need whatever he gave Michael Jackson because this not being able to sleep is out of control. By now, I'm so frustrated I could set my apartment on fire and laugh while I'm fleeing the scene. That's honestly how I felt. Instead, I turn to Netflix. I watch the entire season of Clickbait. Good show. Highly recommend it. Imagine being awake for over a day, deathly ill, and you couldn't buy REM sleep if someone was selling it. Like some kind of emotional waterboarding. (sighs) I never went to sleep that night. Day four, Thursday. I have the sorest of all sore throats. I mean, I'm telling you, I have a throat so sore. It'll make Shakari Richardson look like a humble loser. That kind of sore. And I'm still losing. 
just like she did. My nose is so congested, the only way to breathe is through my mouth, and I've been doing that for so long. My teeth are beginning to get sensitive after having abrasive contact with the air. I have no fever, but I'm hot, and I'm sweaty, and I have chills that won't stop chilling. I'm weak, and the congestion decides it wants to play hopscotch with my nostrils. I have no appetite. My anxiety is creeping in. Listen, this is all because I got that second dose of the vaccination. All because of that. And then on top of that, ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce the dry cough. Listen, this is the day that I absolutely regret getting fully vaccinated because if what I'm experiencing are the side effects of the vaccine, then I wouldn't wish COVID on my worst enemy. I'm also beginning to feel hopeless. Everything that I'm feeling calculates to the second injection being ground zero. I was completely fine up until I got that damn shot. Like, what if this shit never goes away? How much longer will I have to endure? Did the shot actually give me COVID? Still not being able to sleep from misery, I remembered my friend, big shout out to Ian, my friend Ian gifting me a fifth size bottle of Japanese whiskey. And with that bottle, over the next four days, I drank the entire thing in hot toddies. Lemon ginger tea, Southern California coastal wildflower honey, fresh lemon slices, and Japanese whiskey. And since sleep wasn't available, I knew that HBO Max was. I binged the first half of Gossip Girl 2.0 that night. Gossip Girl here, your one and only source into the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite. And I intermittently slept for five hours. Day five, Friday. Today I have a scheduled appointment at the DMV to get my California ID renewed. I made this appointment three weeks ago and really need to be there because my ID has, it's been expired since March of 2019 and that's my business. So don't be judging me. I really toggled with the thought of pushing through to make the appointment because I know rescheduling would mean waiting another month before they would even think about seeing me again. And thanks to the pandemic, or no thanks, the Department of Motor Vehicles have been socially distancing its appointments in person and online. I passed the location nearest to me when going to visit a friend, and it's like its mascot is a line full of patrons outside wrapped around the building. Regardless of your appointment time, you still outside waiting in that line. It's ridiculous. They appear to be waving, but it's actually them trying to fan a small breeze in their direction. Because it'd be hot as fuck. Thanks, global warming, for that. You're a gem. Listen, to know me is to know that any temperature above 80 degrees is not for me. And on this particular day, it was averaging 91. That's without the residuals of the forest fires that are happening right now. Again, thank you so much, global warming. Good thing that my Georgia credentials are current because I never made it to the appointment. Instead, I pump up the vitamin C, the suja shots, vitamin D, immunity vitamin C, and immunity defense with turmeric, sip hotter toddies, and lead with prayer. None of it worked. Well, maybe the prayer, because I was able to finally get some sleep after taking enough supplements to warrant a stomach pump. Friday is feeling like Thursday all over again, and it's concerning. My mom advised me to schedule a virtual with my doc by the upcoming Monday if I'm not feeling better. So that was the plan. Wait it out and see if I need a reason to see my doc on Monday. But as I continue to think, I'm like, what the fuck is he going to do? Tell me to take some more Tylenol and quarantine for 14 days? But wait, maybe there is something he can do. Something that he knows and I don't. Some type of treatment. 
a treatment by the name of monoclonal antibody therapy. Hmm. But we'll get into that in a minute. Shout out to T.S. Madison for putting the streets on. Day six, Saturday. So today makes day five since my life started falling apart and my arm almost fell off. Today is full of more misery. Listen, going around trip to check my mailbox downstairs. When I got back into my apartment, I felt like I had just run a marathon. I'm out of breath, energy, and patience. My strength still hasn't returned to full capacity. I was going out of my mind. Same symptoms, different day. So I called my mom because she has the natural ability to make me feel like everything is going to be all right with just the sound of her voice. After speaking with her for an hour, I went to my Instacart app to order allergy meds, sinus meds, orange juice, ginger peach, herbal tea, more vitamin C supplements, just anything that I can think of that could help reduce whatever I was experiencing. I self-medicated with a sheet of Benadryl and a handful of chlorotrimetin. Believe it or not, nothing worked. And I went to sleep throwing dishes at the wall. Day seven, Sunday. No sleep, hot toddy, vegetable soup, cough, Benadryl. NyQuil, shortness of breath, another cough, no sleep, Tylenol, Vicks Vapor Rub, Netflix, Body Chills, HBO Max, no sleep, send help, Hulu, a shot of bourbon, another cough, another cough, sore throat, no sleep, sneeze, watery eyes, vitamins A, C, and D, zinc, elderberry, Advil, Congestion, chlorotrimetin, more Benadryl, no sleep, another cough, fatigue, headache, sore throat, anxiety, more chills, no fever, Dayquil, NyQuil, another cough, another cough, another cough, no sleep, but when I get some sleep, we fight in. Day eight, Monday. Today makes one week since getting the shot. I'm still ill. But I feel like my symptoms are starting to subside. It was probably all in my head. I wanted it to be, so it was. Not. I still had major congestion and wanted to cut my nose off, but it didn't work for Michael Jackson. Why am I obsessed with Michael Jackson tonight? Didn't work for Michael Jackson, so I know it wasn't going to work for me. I took a long, hot bath in the middle of the afternoon, thinking that this will help to clear my sinuses. And it did for about an hour. So the past time, I decided to start researching flights to Wuhan on an espionage mission to destroy lives in science labs that's inadvertently been destroying me, using the mandatory quarantine to set traps because I was ready to clear some bitches. But who was I kidding? I couldn't even make a round trip visit to my mailbox from my apartment. What I look like trying to get to somebody's airport? Also... I need to lay off of reading stories about the GRU and watching documentaries and films about the KGB because this vaccine got me over here trying to defect to China and share some classified information about Fauci that I don't even have. Day nine, Tuesday. Okay, so finally I'm beginning to feel like Corey. The only symptom from the vax that I have is the sinus congestion and it's intermittent. So kind of felt like it was going away. I feel like God finally heard my prayers. My energy was back for the most part. The cough was subsiding. The chills were gone. My sore throat vanished. And most importantly, I could breathe again. I credit the tenacity within me and my mother, who's my biggest supporter, for holding my hand along the way. She's in Atlanta and I'm in L.A., but she was the only person who called and text messaged me every day, sometimes multiple times a day, to check in with me to see how my day was going, if I were feeling any better or if I were feeling any worse. She would give me remedies, 
suggestions on what I should do to feel better or shouldn't, or just make me laugh because she knew that I was going through, that what I was going through was hell. To have my mom who doubles as a nurse is pretty awesome. And this doesn't discount any of the other check-ins that I'd received from friends and family. But what I will say is most people, some being friends that I communicate with daily in like a group thread, I never heard from until I posted a story on Instagram. The fact that people use, I didn't know this happened until you posted on social media as a reason for describing their lack of personal connections is disturbing. But I guess what they say is true. If you don't post it, it didn't happen. All right, so before I get out of here, I want to touch on some things that I've learned from T.S. Madison. And shout out to T.S. Madison because she was a real one for putting this out there. It's something called monoclonal antibody therapy. Allow me to break it down. A monoclonal antibody is an antibody made by cloning a unique white blood cell. All subsequent antibodies derived this way trace back to a unique parent cell. Monoclonal antibodies can have monovalent affinity, binding only to the same epitope. How does this help treat COVID? Well, researchers report that a combination of two monoclonal antibody treatments, bear with me, I am going to try to pronounce this as best as I can without butchering it. So researchers report that the combination of two monoclonal antibody treatments, casarivimab and imdivimab, casarivimab and imdivimab, under the FDA emergency use authorization, keep high-risk patients out of the hospital when infected with mild to moderate COVID-19 in adults and pediatric patients 12 years of age and older weighing around 88 pounds with positive results of direct SARS or COVID-19. Viral testing and who are at risk for progression to severe COVID-19, including hospitalization or death. This includes, for example, individuals who are 65 years of age and older or individuals who have certain medical conditions. In layman's terms, if you test positive for COVID within seven to 10 days of your test result, Undergoing the monoclonal antibody treatment can be highly effective, minimizing the risk of going to the hospital and even death. Some statistics. Nearly 1,400, that's 1,400 Mayo Clinic patients were enrolled in this study. 696 who received the drug combo between November 2020 and early April and an equal matched cohort who did not receive it. Their status was evaluated at 14, 21, and 28 days after treatment. At each point, the numbers for hospitalization were significantly lower in the treated group. At day 14, 1.3% of the treated group was in the hospital, compared to 3.3% of those who had not been treated. At day 21, only 1.3% treated was hospital, compared to the 4.2% of those who had not been treated. At the end of the 28 days, 1.6 of those treated were hospitalized versus 4.8% of those who had not been treated. This translated to 60 to 70% relative reduction in hospitalization among treated patients. Of those who were subsequently hospitalized, the rates of ICU admission and mortality were low. So listen, this isn't available to everyone. In order to be deemed eligible, you have to meet the following requirements. If you are high risk for developing severe COVID and you have a positive COVID-19 test and have not yet been admitted to the hospital, and if you are 12 years of age or older, 
and at least 88 pounds. Also, post-exposure preventive monoclonal antibodies are available to those who have been exposed and who are high risk for developing COVID-19, severe COVID-19, 12 years of age or older, weighing that 88 pounds, or not fully vaccinated or vaccinated, but immunocompromised. Just so you know, this is what the FDA defines as high risk. 65 years of age or older, if you're overweight, body mass index over 25, if you're pregnant, if you have chronic kidney disease, diabetes, type 1 and type 2, if you have a weakened immune system, currently receiving immunosuppressive treatment, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, if you have chronic lung disease, sickle cell disease, neurodevelopmental disorders, medical-related technology dependence. If any one of those, if you have any one of those, then you are eligible to get the monoclonal antibody treatment. The therapy is extremely effective, but it's important that you know that it does not, it's not the replacement for the vaccine. Once you get it, it's recommended that you wait 90 days before receiving the vaccine if you already have the first dose. It's recommended that you wait 90 days before receiving the second. Lastly, and maybe most importantly, a referral from your doctor or healthcare provider is required to receive the monoclonal antibody therapy. Overall, this is a good thing. The bad thing is it's not being shared with the public. News media outlets would rather lead and report on stories of chaos and propaganda, sensationalism, I guess that sells, rather than disseminate pertinent information that could actually help with keeping people alive. Listen, at the end of the day, do I regret getting that second C-19 vax? Probably. I just hope it'll all be worth it in the end. It's called a gated community. I'm in a gated community. All the gates are locked. You live in a gated community. African people are not pro-homosexual. Who is having that conversation? 